Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome to Voices from the Real World. Profile Theater is a theater company located in Portland, Oregon. Profile Theater centers the season around a season-long featured writer. Our best artists help us see. And at Profile, each year, we use a different writer's unique perspective as a lens that helps us see our shared world in new and surprising ways. Community Profile is an affinity space built around the structure of a free writing workshop. Participants in Community Profile meet, write, support, share, and bear witness to other people who may have walked a mile in their shoes. In Community Profile, we feature writers who have won awards and had numerous books published, as well as writers who are making their first foray into expressing themselves on paper. The result is writing that is singularly personal, provocative, powerful, moving, funny, tragic, beautiful, and that encapsulates the entirety of the human experience. What this podcast does is give those writers, those creators, a chance to share their life stories and their writing in a public forum so that we can celebrate and appreciate victories that have been won and challenges that have been overcome by people whose lives you may recognize or be experiencing for the very first time. I am here with the lovely and talented Josie Seed. Josie is one of the true stars of the Portland theater scene and probably one of its most popular artists. Hi, Josie. Hi, Bobby. You're too kind. <laughs> Not at all. I don't think I don't think anybody would think that. I, I don't think I think everything I just said was absolutely true. Um, but you know, just in case, uh, Josie. I mean, I feel like at first I would just like to hear a little bit about Josie and what makes Josie see tick and what what your life is like and who you are for those few sad people who might not know. <laughs> um, yeah, so I am not a Portland native. I was born in Philadelphia, spent most of my life in Ohio, came to Portland actually just after 9-11. Uh, and I've been here ever since. Um, artistically speaking, uh, I do kind of all the things. So I am an actor, a performer. I do musical theater as well. I'm a playwright. Uh, I'm a director. So I have my hands in a lot of pots. Um, just like artists, I say it every day almost. Artists are the smartest people in the world because we can figure out how to do anything and make you believe that we're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, that's who I am. Um, and uh, how long have you been writing? I've been writing for, well, you know, that's kind of a mixed question because I started out like writing books. The very first thing I wrote that people saw in the world was a children's book. It was horrible. It was a beautiful story, poorly written. <laughs> um, and then I guess I started writing plays probably about like 10 years ago, maybe. Yeah. And how's that been going for you? You know, I love it. I love it. I think it's going really well. Um, COVID has been tough, tough, tough. But I'd have to say that um, it has it has made me a better writer because right now we're in the cocoon, right? We're in the preparation stage. And so I'm getting so much more opportunity and so much more um, exposure as a writer um, as we're 
you know, hanging in there and holding on and waiting to move into what's next. Right, because Josie Seed is, I guess, traditionally looked upon as um, an actor of some renown. So this is kind of a, a different side of yourself that you've been showing. Yeah, yeah, COVID. for sure. Yeah, because yeah. you and I, did we, our, our first time working together was Brother Sister Plays? That's absolutely right. It was just right, a right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it wasn't at the time. I think we forget that. It wasn't at the time, you know, until the run started. And then it yeah. was great. Yeah. But working on that show was a bear. It was, a t- it was, in- it was really intense, right? Um, right. I think I broke my brain at least once during that process. Right. Mm-hmm. It was, that, well, because it, it was three plays. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. Right. Um, so, Josie, what brought you to Community Profile? Yeah, well, um, I had done some work with Profile previously. Actually, most of my work with Profile has been writing. Um, a few years back, they had the the overnight playwriting series. I can't remember what it was called. But I think I was part of that first cohort of people that they brought in for that. Um, and that's that's kind of where our relationship, anyway, my relationship as as a playwright started. Um, yeah. And then, um, the, you know, we've been kind of staying in touch and Bobby Bermea, the great, the powerful, the man behind the curtain invited (laughs) me to, um, to be part of, um, part of this, this most recent, uh, playwright series where we're working within the community and doing some, some classes and things. And it's been, uh, it's been amazing. So, mm mm-hmm. Um, uh, Josie is going to be, you are going to be a mentor later on in the year. Yeah. Um, mixed with all these other mentors that we can, you know, we can get different kinds of people now because, because of COVID yeah. funnily enough, Yeah. you know, so people we would normally, because we'd have to fly them in if we were meeting in personally, we could never do that. Right. Right. You know, but then we have the mystical, magical you <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> I'm super happy about that. Um, so you have some, uh, work that you want to read for us today? Yeah, let's let's do a little reading. Uh, you know that I said I was going to have you read with me this first piece. Um, little background. So one of the things that I do, I'm part of a playwrights collective called Linestorm. And uh, we all do our stuff. And so I'm preparing with one of my colleagues, Sarah Jean McQuarty. Um, She's amazing. I've been trying to get her she to work with amazing. me. She is amazing. And we're doing, She's, isn't name. she lovely? Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, she's cool. We're working on a holiday, a festive holiday thing. So this is like a total sneak peek um, into some of the work, like fresh off the fresh off the pages that we're going to have in um, in fertile ground. And it's called Fezziwick's Fortune. And the little piece that I'm going to read with Amazing Bobby is um, (laughs) is just right, almost right at the beginning when you first see the relationship between uh, Fezziwig and his wife, Catherine. So are you ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. What was that all about, Phil? I could have sworn I heard Joyce's voice. Dear, she's been gone now for two months and she's not coming back. People don't return from the dead. I know you're right. Probably just some washerwoman off to work. Which I ought to be soon, or I'll be late. Dear, are you sure you're okay? Here you are hearing Joy's voice in the street. Do you think you need more time? Time for what, wife? Perhaps time to adjust, to mourn, to just be? I don't know what good more idle time will do me. The warehouse is calling. The least I can do is make sure our livelihood survives. 
If I don't return to being a productive member of society, we'll lose the house and be out on the streets. Then I'll have even more to mourn. I'll leave you to get ready then, dear. It's a fun little thing. Um, it's something that I've been thinking of for a really long time. Um, I've always been uh, fascinated with, with the fezzy wigs. They were the people, of course, in the Christmas Carol who threw the big party, right, that Scrooge was at. But I was like, who is this dude, you know, and what's his story? So um, we're giving him a story all his own. It has very, very, very little to do with Ebenezer Scrooge, if at all. He shows up a tiny bit, but don't pay him any attention. It's not a story. <laughs> so That's cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, is it set in contemporary times yeah. or no? Nice. It's not. Nice. It's set in, yeah, it's, yeah, back in the Victorian times. Yeah. What's your relationship with Christmas? Like, that was totally interesting that, you, like, when, when Josie, you know, when you said, I'm going to send you something to read, the next thing I was expecting was not Fezziwig. And I mean, of course I knew the name, but I was totally surprised. I was like, Josie, Fezziwig? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the thing that I love about Christmas and just the holidays in general, right? That's the thing that I love is that it is a season of joy, no matter what you're celebrating. It's a season of rest. It's a season of renewal. It's a season of introspection. You know, all these different things are happening at this certain time of the year. Um, and I feel like it's a great time for families to come together and people to come together. That's when, you know, like I said, everybody is coming to this place where they're finishing something, right? And, and expecting to begin something else. And I just love that time of the year. You know, I'm actually, I mean, yes, we celebrate Christmas. Sometimes there's some years I love it and some years that I do not want to be bothered. But what I always want to be bothered with is like being around people that I love. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. My partner and I aren't... You know, we're totally like of the we're spiritual, but not religious camp. Um, yeah. But we we do Christmas every year. Like we love getting the tree and decorating it and all that. And I'm a lapsed Catholic at best, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, but the, all the all the ritual and stuff and the light. And the yeah, lights, you know, yeah. we, we just, we just, you know, I have a friend who's, she's, she's like, you know, I'm an atheist. And so I don't really do Christmas. And we were like, well, you know, we're not, we don't do Christmas because we believe so much, which sorry, anybody who out there who's just, that's just where we're at, you know, but we, we do it every yeah. year and we have fun getting the tree and we have fun decorating it and giving gifts. And it's like you say, it's just about, you know, being together. And usually we'd be seeing somebody around this time of year. But uh, of course this year is not really like that, but we're going to yeah. be together and, and get some extra time. Just, you know, she and I, so that's its own reward. Exactly. You know, and yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have another piece that you want to read for us? Sure. Sure. So the other piece, one of the other pieces I'll read, um, there was some of the work that I did with artist rep They've been doing, um, this is the second round that they finished of the Mercury Company, which is their beautiful efforts to bring a bunch of artists together. Bobby, you were part of this and yes. work on some new work and, you know, finish up some stuff that we started. And so as part of the Mercury Company, 
I created a small film with the help of an amazing team of people. Um, and this, this film was based on a poem that I wrote forever and ever ago. Um, it's, I, I literally, I call it a living poem because I, I started writing it when I think I was like 19 or 20 and over the years I have added to it. And so, um, definitely like look out for the film. It's, it's out there running around. It's like a six minute film, but the, the poem is about, uh, the experience of African-Americans in the United States. Um, and the fact that our contributions are often forgotten. Um, and so, um, actually this past year when George Floyd was murdered, um, I added to the poem. So, you know, time goes on and life goes on. I will probably um, add to it again very soon um, uh, because of our, our dear Kamala. So, um, so here's the poem. Forget me not America. Forget me not America. The contribution that I made was in the form of servitude. The guise I wore, a slave. It was my sweat that nourished this nation. My blood cultivated the land. I too helped build this country in spite of chain-bound hands. Forget me not, America. I'm a train that few could see. We traveled underground with the cover of night to a land where we could be free. Our music led the way to the station. We followed the drinking gourd to a place where our bonds were broken as strengthened was our bond with our Lord. Forget me not, America. I stood up by maintaining my seat and took that fateful bus ride right into history. That started a chain reaction that spread across the land. Quiet strength, it seems, is sometimes the best way to make a stand. Forget me not, America. With peace, our battles were won. For who can deny him accepted by God's only begotten son? And standing on the mountaintop, I saw victory close at hand. Even if not in my lifetime, We'd have our mule and 40 acres of land. Forget me not, America, we warriors brave and true who fought and died for our country, protecting rights that we never knew. With hair as coarse as the buffalo and skin in the shades of the earth, we endured and believed that in due time you'd come to discover our worth. Forget me not, America, though you refuse to hear my voice any creature cornered is forced to fight. You left me with no choice. Then labeled me a militant because I demanded our rights to be freed as you took the bonds from our hands and feet and put them on our equality. Forget me not, America. A new era has begun. I stand here because of your voices, lifted and joined as one. The change we need is coming. And together, yes, we can. I take this country and return it to you, every woman, child, and man. Forget me not, America. Your foundation is faulty at best. While your architects stand in defiance, the structure is failing the test. And while your country is crumbling, your eyes see yet refuse to believe. The words etched in the stone of the rubble will be, had we just let them breathe. Forget me not, America. I am known as simply faith. Though the road we travel is uneven and long, the prize will be well worth the race. Our sisters' hope and grace will lead the way. 
with brother courage to lean upon. Soon freedom will reign so that all will bow, and victory will finally be won. Remember me, America. Learn from the journey you've seen. For how can you know where you're going if you don't know where you've been? Wow, Josie. Wow. Man, that part about... uh removing the bonds from our hands and our feet so that you could put them on our equality. Yeah. I was like, that is it. That <laughs> is it, man. That is exactly what happened. Yeah. Wow. That was really something. It reminds me of uh, Langston Hughes, some of his work. Wow. Thanks. Gosh, you know? that's a yeah. giant compliment. Part of the beauty of it, you know, um, is the repetition, Yeah. you know, and, and the rhythm that that repetition sets up, you know, and how that builds over the course of the poem. Yeah. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with Josie Seed. Hot and throbbing. There are two worlds in this story. Reality, constructed as we know it, and a world that sometimes resembles the real as we fantasize about it. Control of her body, control of her thoughts, control of him. And she would make him wait, make him beg. Sounds too male bashing. Make him ask? Fuck it. Make him beg. Make them both beg. Mom, where's your eyeliner? On the top shelf next to the Ben Gay. Hot and Throbbing by Paula Vogel, directed by Jamie M. Ray, is available for streaming November 4th, 2020 to June 20th, 2021 to members and non-members at Profile Theater on air. Learn more and listen at ProfileTheater.org. And we are back with Voices from the Real World featuring Josie Seed. So it sounds like your writing mind covers a lot of ground. Yeah, it does. It's really funny because, you know, Josie at her finest is, um, I love fairy tales. I'm an escapist, all the way an escapist, right? Mm. So um, while we definitely are in the midst of a fight and we need to fight, we also need to rest, right? Um, And uh, I think the work that I generally move towards is that place of rest and that place of, um, you know, you can, you can do anything that you can dream. I wrote a little piece for, um, it was part of the Portland center stage play at home program. And I wrote a piece for that. It was called a wing and a prayer. And it's interesting, Bobby, because lots of people who see that, Um, And especially in relation to the other offerings that were done through that program, I think it's fluff because it's about a fairy. And uh, there's a group of um, young women in modern times now, and they're about to go off to um, go off to a a lecture. 
and one of the, and they're just all the personalities, right? And one of them is just like an artist to her bones. And she's like getting on somebody because they're just not dressed right, you know? Um, and she makes this wish. I wish people would appreciate fashion. And a fairy shows up from like fairy tale land. And she is ready to like bippity boppity boo them to the ball. Um, but it gets a lot deeper and people don't see that because the moment you see wings, you forget, you know, you're like, oh, this is fluff. But it's also, you know, a play about feminism and it's a play about um, forgetting who you are because you spend so much time doing stuff for everything else, you know, so there's layers to it. Um, and that's kind of the kind of stuff that I get really excited about writing about, like, because I see that as a play for anybody. Like I've gotten several requests for high schools that want to do it, you know, um, in their drama departments. But then I also, you know, have deep conversations about it with, you know, my, my, my friends that are like, wow, this is really deep, you know, on all the levels. So, um, that kind of stuff really excites me. Yeah. Well, one thing I've uh, been reminded of lately, um, is that you can have very deep conversations in high school, you know? Um, and I think, uh, sometimes that distance that say wings and magic offer yeah. gives more space for the conversation to be had in a real way. Do you have one more thing you'd like to read for us? Sure. Um, what I'll read next it's by request and I can't not do anything. The great Bobby Bermea requests. There is a play that I wrote called The Great God of the Dark Storm Cloud. Um, and it's back to poetry, but it's a different kind of poetry. Uh, and it's about a group of Orisha that are quite frankly, like fed up with um, the injustice that's happening in the world. And most especially to people that look like us, um, by people that look like us, I mean, the, the African-American folk. Um, and so what I'll read for you, and I'm not going to pause to, um, tell you which character is saying what, just know that it's a conversation between Yemaya, Elegba and Olakun. And so they are, it opens with the play, it, the play opens with them discussing the state of the world. And so, um, I'll read you a little bit of that. Okay. Let there be light. Cliche as it seems that saying does a trick for beginning the begin. But how to begin? How? How? The ending is bearable, maybe. But the beginning is a tragedy that gradually gets worse till the rhythm of the tears dripping down to the ground overcomes the verse. What's worse is how one is labeled subversive when retaliating, railing and flailing against a system designed to strip them of their light and their will to fight and instead incite them to flight. It just seems you began, my man. But there is so much more to know of the schemes that blow beneath the scenes, things darker than our wildest dreams. I'm told they call them nightmares. Regardless, I'm aware of those things the surface doesn't share. My sister Olokun, of these transgressions you know best, and therefore this is what I suggest. This tale we are unfolding like a sheet in the summer wind. Let us step into these human skins as we spin. You shall play the part of those who bear a darkness in their hearts. No matter how slim the sliver, yours is the task of secrets to deliver. Yes, I agree. This is best. Elegba, yours be the roles that confound men's souls, where words diverge and ulterior motives emerge. When needed, intercede and impede those deeds that are contrary to our needs. Yemaya, what is your charge? 
there is much to lose. And I, for one, can feel the noose of our forefathers slide from their necks to ours. The scars and shards of inequity that were indelicately thrust onto their already broken backs continue to slice and hack our brothers and sisters in this time. To call it a crime would be too kind. For how long shall we feign eyes that are blind? Your passion appeals to the mother in me, and your brotherly concern strikes a chord not often played in this song we have been forced to endure for centuries. This dirge, stuck on repeat, and the beat with no feet to dance to it has grown monotonous with the rot of injustice, causing a stink that makes me think. I surmise it would be wise to advise our protagonist to revive the drive that was sidelined when her mind rejected survival over service. You speak as if the two cannot coexist. Then sadly, my aim has missed. My point is this. You make self-preservation a villain. While abuse consumes a servant, forced to behave, smile and wave as depraved knaves, dig the grave that bears a servant who dies a slave. Dead doers leave justice undone when survival is subject to reprimand. So yes, in the midst of this mess, kindness be damned. Wow. That was terrific, Josie. It's yeah. also just like a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, would you call that, uh, uh, is it influenced by hip hop? Yeah, for sure. Like in my brain, I'm thinking like spoken word. Um, and just that, you know, the one of the things, so this play was inspired by actually the Greek tragedy of Hecuba. Um, and some of the things that I wanted to pull in from, that style of, um, of play of writing was, um, a lot of times, um, there's drumming that happens. Um, right. Yeah. And there's also, um, the, the, um, the presence of uh, a trio, right? There's always like a, um, a, what do they call it? The, Oh my goodness. It'll come to me, but it's just a group of, of people that Is like that the chorus, the chorus. Yes. Thank you. It's the chorus. So they kind of serve as the chorus and that, that rhyming, um, was me, um, bringing in the drums, the rhythm of those drums. So, mm-hmm. right. I mean, I, I mean, that's what it sounds like. Like, because like there's, there's rhyming and then there's a lot of internal rhyming, which, which is totally like, um, uh, creating the rhythm for you, yeah. you know, as they, and like, and they all speak it, which, which gives it also this heightened feel, which is really, um, uh, perfect when you're talking about Orishas yeah. and whatnot, you know, um, that was terrific, ah, thanks. uh, you know, and it probably like. Uh, takes a certain kind of actor as well to pull it off. Oh yeah. And like in the play, the thing that I, you know, someday we're going to do this play and I'm going to just freak out. Cause it's, I think it's such a cool play. Um, the Orisha, when they say, let us step into these human skins as we spin, what they do is they actually double their role. So they play a few of the characters in this. And the other right thing on. that that rhyme does is let you know when they're somebody else, right? They let you know when mm-hmm. they're being that human part of, of the person, you know? Um, and so when the rhymes come, then, you know, it's the Orisha coming forth. Cause there's a couple of places later on in the play when, um, when our, um, our, uh, protagonist, um, she kind of, starts to fight back. Um, but it's because she's being influenced by an Orisha and she like says this, this line and rhyme and, you know, the person that's with her is like, what are you talking about? What's happening? <laughs> I was but, cool. And it's, and it's interesting. Are, are you, were you saying that the, the, the Greek tragedy also had drums? 
Well, yeah. And, and I'm going to say what I'll say is not that it had drums, but a lot of modern interpretations when in the Greek tragedy, they use drumming to kind of show like if there's some kind of drama or, you know, underlying, you know, I don't know, emotion or something. I've, I've, yeah, I've seen a lot of productions that bring in these drums, which is cool as all hangout. So, well, and you know, um, drums make all the sense in the world to black people and right. You know, we've used them to communicate everything. Exactly. You know, exactly. <laughs> you know, I remember, uh, Chuck D saying public enemy was like black CNN, you know, come I on mean, now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Those, yeah. Yeah. You know, those drums are what it's all about. Uh, Josie, this has been some really magical work that you've shared with us. Oh, um, thanks, Bobby. Thanks for being your usual fabulous self. You need uh, to stop. Really wide range of, of stuff you've got going on. Um, so that was that was uh, super cool to listen to all that. I appreciate it. It's nice to share it. It's funny because like when I hear my work out loud, I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna fix that. I'm gonna tweak that. I'm gonna get up. Not the, that time though, that. right? Yeah, um, th- not, that's not actually that time, one of my though. favorite parts of uh, of of that play. But there's some other stuff I'm gonna I'm gonna fix a little bit. Which, by the way, I also wanted to say, uh, the great god of the dark storm cloud, I think, is one of like the great titles of any play ever. And sometimes I feel like I'm the only one who thinks that's important. Um, but I love no, that title. I absolutely agree. You know, it's perfect. All right, Josie Seed, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for your generosity of spirit, as always. Thank you for your heart and your talent and sharing your great writing. Oh, thank you, Bobby. I will do anything for you. I think that you're amazing. And I so appreciate, like, all the work that you're doing in the world of the arts and bringing community together. Um, So, yeah, anytime you call, I'm going to pick up the phone. All right. All right. Thank you, Josie. Yeah. I'll see you later. Okay, my darling. Bye. Bye. And that is it for this edition of Voices from the Real World. Voices from the Real World was put together by the creative team of Jamie M. Ray, Lion Producer, Robert A. K. Gagno, Sound Engineer, Rodolfo Ortega, Composer, and was recorded at the Willamette Radio Workshop in Portland, Oregon, which exists on the traditional lands of Multnomah, Kaflamet, Clackamas, Tumwater, and Malala bands of the Chinook peoples, the Tualatin band of the Kalapuya peoples, and many other tribes who made their homes along the Columbia River. We acknowledge and honor the ancestors and survivors of this place and recognize that we are here because of the sacrifices forced upon them, and we honor their descendants who live on. And I am Bobby Bermea, and this is Community Profile, voices from the real world. Real people telling their real stories. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Community Profile or Profile Theater, go to profiletheater.org slash communityprofile. To hear more podcasts, go to profiletheater.org slash onair, where you'll find other episodes of Voices from the Real World. If you have feedback or suggestions for me, I'm taking all comers. Write me at bobbyb at profiletheater.org. One love and peace out.